You guys got any blow? Um, no. You guys got any crank? No. Got any ludes? No. Well, what kind of party is this gonna be? We got alcohol, man. What, like some Annie Green Springs? Nah, we got the Schnapster. Check it out. <sighs> Bitchin'. You don't take Schnapster in? Yeah, like when I was in seventh grade. So what do you drink these days? Can't you guys score something like that? Sure, babe, whatever you want. Oh, yeah? That stuff makes me crazy. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> Don't let me down now, boys. Motherfucking rude boy! It's fucking cold, you guys. What the f- God damn. I'm freezing my dick off right now. Can your penis fall off naturally? 100%. And here's <laughs> What's up, everybody? I'm, <clears throat> I'm here to interfere with your souvenir. <clears throat> no, whatever. It's, it's me. It's on. So, I know it's Sunday, um, and I usually release on Friday, but... This wasn't just any Friday that just occurred. It was the 1st of October, which is, you know, the month of Halloween. Spooky, scary skeletons. And uh, other things. So <clears throat> what's also good about October, or what was also known for October, is uh, a sober October. And I uh, usually never partake in Silver October. I, I always hear Joe Rogan always babbling about, oh, we're going to be sober. Silver October update. He's probably on drugs. He's probably doing acid right now, laughing at this video. Like we're not going to smoke weed for a whole 30 days and we're not going to take any fucking like reindeer antler fucking testosterone or anything. For all 30 days, I am sh pretty sure he's like snorting and butt chugging fucking nootropics left and right still. So is he really sober? I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't, I don't really care. I guess he doesn't smoke cigars for 30 days. And for me, I'm always kind of a little bit jealous. Like, well, I want to play and partake in sober October, but I don't do drugs and alcohol anymore. But I mean, technically I vape, I chain vape. Like a banshee, and I drink, uh, I consume a good amount of caffeine, and so those two things being my only vice, and I guess sugar. So I was like, yeah, sugar, nicotine, caffeine—the holy trinity of uh, recovery, right? Hey, hey, hey! Okay. Bitch, you better praise God, or I'ma shoot, and that's on God. I ain't playing by my Lord and Savior. I'm on my job. If you ain't a Christian, I'ma stab you in the face. If it ain't about Jesus, I'ma hit you with this curve. Of, you know, ex socially acceptable substance abuse within the recovery community. That's what I'm all about, right? 
That's what's got me this far. But I noticed, I was like, you know what? I should uh, try and, you know, watch how much, you know, caffeinated beverages I'm consuming and how much I'm vaping. Because, I mean, why not challenge myself, right? But I thought about it and I was starting to get really worried because I was like, all right, this is getting a little too intense. And it was, it wasn't even October yet. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> this is this too much for me to even think about. And then the day kept coming faster and faster. And so I compromised with my inner demons and I, I said, look, uh, <laughs> I said, look, Satan, um, I, can give up caffeine for 30 days. I don't think I can give up the uh, the vaping, though. And I'll try on the sugar, uh, but that one's going to be hard, too, because going completely 100% sugar-free, sucker-free, sugar-free, I mean, sugar detoxes, I've heard about people going through them, and it just doesn't sound like something I... I uh, can handle right now. I have too much responsibilities for that shit. It sounds like physical withdrawal even. Fuck that. But I'll, I will. I'll cut off. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do caffeine. But so <laughs> I do that. And um, it's a big surprise. I had a fucking huge headache. And I was doing my best to mix and master uh, this episode, which was supposed to be finished by Friday. But yeah, uh, caffeine headaches are a fucking son of a bitch dude they and i took um what it the excedrin or whatever because i guess that has a little bit of caffeine in it so you get like a tiny bit of relief <laughs> yeah it, it only mildly helps it sucks when you have a, a headache and it's in like a specific spot on your cranium and you're like oh wow my front or left lobe <laughs> it hurts or whatever you know so I had to chain vape and just to get through it. I was like, fuck that. So happy sober October. <laughs> Hope you're doing well. I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I'm feeling, feeling the burn, but Hey, no fucking caffeine for, you know, October. Good for me. Right. I mean, I mean, I'm, I know for a fact, I'm just going to go back to <laughs> drinking caffeine again, but hopefully I will, you know, my tolerance will be lower. I mean, I can work my way back up to, you know, atrocious amounts and then there'll be another, I don't know, sober another month, I guess. I was thinking even about having an, uh, like all celibacy for Oct sober October, but then I thought about it and I was like, well, no nut November is coming up like right around the corner. And is fapping or sex, is that really a drug? I mean, yeah, you get a little bit of serotonin spiked, but it's not like you're consuming a substance. I mean, I, if I'm not like really annoyed and pissed off, I'll think of a, like a no nut November, no fapping, no, you know, sex at all. Just completely, you know, the Amish life. Jesus is the one. Um, for me, hopefully. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm just beta testing this shit. And uh, hopefully I'll do it so then I could be like in your face, Joe Rogan. I fucking don't even do any of this shit. And I did no, 
I wonder if he does no caffeine. I'm drinking nothing but coffee and water, and I'm going to work out every day. No pot, no mushrooms, nothing crazy. Just coffee and water and exercise. I don't know. He, he's fucking in. He works out, and I don't do... <laughs> I'm so out of shape. So anyway, um, that's why the delay. I did get through the main headache and I'm, you know, feeling, I feel okay. I've, you know, I don't feel like super bad physical withdrawal. I had a day of a headache and now I'm just questioning my decisions in life. Um, what's also is crazy, but like I said, yeah, Halloween is coming up and I've been seeing like blood red moons and uh, that's been kind of scary. But then, like, you know, I've I've gotten calls from friends saying, you know, from the local friends around who I socially distance from because they're I, they're equally crazy, and I know I'm crazy. And crazy attracts crazy, so I I try to help them from afar. Usually, a phone call. And um, from what I've heard, there's a lot of crack smoking going around here, and. There's one of my friends, I guess, their friend is insane and going around pissed off with a knife because he got cucked. And I was, he wanted to talk about it on the podcast. And I was like, no, no, fuck this. I'm not, <laughs> this is too scary for me. And besides, I have been mixing and mastering this uh, recording I did with Marcus. You all know Marcus. He's been on the podcast like several times, but he had uh, gone out a while back and has been building up his clean time again. And he talked about with me while he was back out there, uh, he was with this circle of friends doing drugs and they all wanted to like initiate him into like this orgy, this like eyes wide shut drug orgy. And it was super awkward. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm mixing and mastering this story for you all. And I get a call and a message on um, my Facebook. And who would you guess it would be but my ex-girlfriend, Carla? Now, I have talked about Carla once or twice. We, uh, you know, we had a crazy uh, heroin relationship. We used to always do heroin. And um, she is one of the ex-girlfriends that tried to stab me. I mean, technically, it was more of a slice than a stab, but I mean, that blade she had got through some layers of clothes, and so, I mean, she, she's got some force. She could do damage, but um, yeah, I've talked about her in the past, and um, so she called me out of the blue, and or not called me, messaged me, and saying, hit me up, and I was like, I tried to call you, and it's a hospital number. And she called me back and she was actually at a hospital in Chicago. Um, she had gotten like an infection behind her kneecap and it was, it sounded pretty gross. Uh, she talks about it, but um, yeah. And then she also talks about how she's waiting to get into a 30 day uh, inpatient residential treatment center. And so for like the past week, while she's been in the hospital, um, getting, she had like liquid antibiotics in her IV. It was so bad. Um, but you know, I hadn't talked to her in a long time. And, um, 
So for the past week, she's been calling and we've been going back and forth catching up and it's been really nice. I mean, I, I just have to say, you know, out of anybody I know, you know, Carla's been through some of the craziest, most traumatic, darkest shit I've ever uh, witnessed a human being have to like overcome. And regardless of, you know, her trials and tribulations or whatnot, she has the most positive like attitude, the most positive, positive outlook on life. Like it is really, um, inspiring, you know, I mean, she's literally in a hospital, just had knee surgery and she's waiting to get into a treatment center. And she was just so, so fun to, to talk to. I mean, finally, after a few days of this, I was finally like, you know, you should, cause she was telling, and we were reminiscing some of the most brutal stories, all like insane heroin stories, by the way, trigger warning. This is a really intense heroin episode because Carla and I really mostly have only heroin stories between the two of us, between her and I hanging out and then, you know, off on our own deal or ordeal or whatnot. But so um, I had her come on the podcast and then she was supposed to come on, you know, the day after. Uh, and she was going to, we were going to tell the stabbing story, which is a side note, really funny because I was like, yeah, you want to talk about the stabbing story? And, um, she only remembers trying to stab me in Los Angeles, which I don't remember that at all. I was like, what? I don't remember that. And by the, also, by the way, you know, any of the times Carla's tried to stab me is like totally justified. <laughs> um, you know, like. I was an asshole. I've made my amends to Carla and, you know, I love Carla and she loves me and I'm, you know, as you know, we have love for each other. We're not in love with each other. It's like, you know, we're adults and we're good friends. And, uh, so I was like, no, this was about the time you tried to stab me in a uh, central coast. And she's like, I don't remember that. <laughs> so she doesn't remember the stabbing story. I remember and I don't remember, remember the stabbing story she remembers. So I thought that was just so quaint. You know, <laughs> It's not, not often that this kind of thing happens. But um, so and then she also I wanted to kind of ask her because I've talked about it on the podcast and, she, you know, she's talked about it on this episode. But her last boyfriend, uh, she had walked in on. She, he was in the bathroom and she, she opened the door and he was dead from an overdose. And it's a really fucked up intense story. Um, but we didn't get to get into either of those stories. I was going to plan like a two part, you know, like ep episode. So this was going to be part one. And then part two was going to be kind of those stories and, and beyond. Um, but what ended up happening is I didn't hear from her the next day. And I was just hoping like, okay, well probably she got accepted into this treatment center because if I did hear from her, then she's either in the hospital or like, you know, walked off, you know? So I was like, it's the, it's actually a good sign. If anything, that I'm not hearing from her. And you know what? Quick update. Uh, this, afternoon, I got a message from Carla and she just got into 
this treatment center. So, you know, I just want to say congratulations to Carla and I hope you do well and I hope you can, you know, get the 30 days under your belt and go on to, you know, much bigger and better things because you deserve so many wonderful things. Um, I am so proud of you and um, I'm just so glad that you are alive because with what Carla and I have been through together and separately, um, it's, I mean, I'm not a, like a holy man or a, I don't like preach the Lord that much. Um, right. This dope filled world. Right. And get in an air, get in a long tube with a bunch of demons. Right. But it is like a fucking miracle that her and I are both alive. So anyway, 15 minute mark. I just wanted to say that, uh, by the way, quick reminder, I mentioned last episode about this, you know, giveaway I'm doing. I have, you know, a dope hoodie. I posted it on uh, Instagram and I have some shirts and some stickers and, you know, this little contest giveaway. If you send in a story, audio recording of your story, um, the winners get, you know, this merch that I made. So just want to remind you guys, send me stories. So anyway, I'm out of here, you guys. I got to finish uh, mixing down this episode to get to you all for this Sunday. I hope you're doing well for October. I hope you do have a fun Halloween. And I hope if you're celebrating sober October, that's going smoothly for you. For me, I'm a little aggravated, but I'll update you. I'll let you know how how awful it is to not, you know, drink uh, coffee or anything. <laughs> but with that, yeah, um, you'll hear from me soon. So as always, I just want to say peace, love. Who let the dope boys out? Thank God you let me crash on your couch. Who's my God that I'm praying to now? Early 2000s, they try to jump again. Latino protection, any direction. You gave me your blessing. Texting, I text him. I told him I got him. Told him I made it to Hollywood. All that took Platinum record, not gon' keep my black ass out of jail. Get the fuck out my ride. Well, that's a long time, especially in this world we live in. One of us could have died. And that's the that's the thing too is I'm very proud of us for both surviving as long as we have because um, yeah, we've been through some shit and we used to get really really high together and uh, we dated, so you yeah. know. Yeah, and uh, honestly, the times we got really high together, like, they were very dangerous at times. But the times in Chicago that I got high, which is where I currently live now, yeah. those times were very extreme. Like, I, I have OD'd over, like, seven to ten times. And I've lived through it. Obviously, talking. You got Narcan every, every one of those times? I've gotten Narcan almost all of those times. The only okay. times I didn't get Narcan, and I don't really consider an OD unless you get Narcan. That's why I say seven to ten times, because I think like three of those times I didn't get Narcan. But go on. I consider the same thing, like mainly with myself, is like I don't count an overdose unless I got hit with Narcan. Or there's like a few like special case scenarios where like I was getting punched in the face to like come out of it. Jesus. And even then I was still kind of falling out. Yeah, that was That's pretty bad. terrible. That's two <laughs> but, bad um, things that happened to you that day. Well, well, you know, I mean, to be honest, uh, 
I was actually, it was preferable at the time than getting Narcan because when you get Narcan, you kind of go into withdrawal at times. Of course, of course. So, Unless you're really like, high, really, really high. I've had it where I've been Narcan and I did not even know. I woke up and I had somebody next to me and they didn't even tell me until hours later. And that was because I was so high. I was still high when I came out of being Narcan. And that also happened another time. That must be, yeah, you must have been really high. One time I got Narcan and I was so dope sick. I was, because what happened was uh, my dealer walked in my room and I was just on the ground, just like fucking foaming at the mouth. Yeah, purple foaming at the mouth. And uh, he called He called this guy who's just like a known junkie with who always has Narcan and like naltrexone and shit. And yeah. he, people would just call him and be like, my buddy's overdosing. And he was like the fucking junkie whisperer. He'd save lives all the time, even though he was just strung out. And so... Damn. Did he get paid? Calls his, <clears throat> I paid him because I was like, <laughs> that's quite a... That's quite a service, you know. I'd rather yeah. deal with him than the the ambulance, and the because that it might involve the cops, you know. Yeah, of course. So like, yeah, my plug uh, called him up, and he's like, he's dead, he's dead, and he's like, all right, I'll be right there. And this guy and his girlfriend come to my house, and they, I guess, while I'm out, they picked my body up and uh, put me into the shower and ran the shower, <clears throat> and that wasn't working. I was That's like, old school. Yeah, and so then they had got the naltrexone, and they. Uh, they hit me with naltrexone four times and they, I'm like the third time they're like, he's probably just dead, but the ultra like, let's try one more. And then I came out of it and my body was just all soaked in water and I was super dope sick. And cold. So I came out of it. Yes. Yeah, so cold, just freezing, shaking. And I came out, I came out of the overdose screaming. I was just like, <gasps> yeah. Yeah. And then they, and then they, they were like, putting uh towels on me to warm me up and they literally there's the this they were the nicest ever they got a uh they got a bong like a dab rig bong and a torch and then they dabbed me out with some black tar to get me out of the withdrawal so i took like three big they're like here take a big hit we're gonna give you some dabs they're like because i didn't know what the fuck was going on i'm like and it was their dope yeah oh my god they dabbed me out so nice talk about angels the angels Complete angels. And so when I got out, when I came, when I was come to, I, I got in, uh, into some clothes and I was like, and uh, I mean, they this is not the nicest thing, but they had gone through my wallet and to look at my ID, their excuse. and Not like, even um, to rob you. No, no, because they wanted to see my identity. And then they, but they told me, they're like, well, we looked in your wallet and you have a hundred bucks. And I was like, dude, just take the hundred dollars. You guys saved my life and dabbed me out with tar. It's like, yeah, that's yeah, probably thirty dollars with the tar. With the way a dab goes, I've never even heard of being able to get high off. Well, that makes sense now to use a dab. And and I don't, I'm not sure how much the naltrexone shot cost, but it was like I like later months later I found the four bottles that they had to draw the naltrexone mm-hmm. out under my under my bed and I saved them yeah with the orange cap yeah I saved them and yeah. now I look I look at them every now and then I, I have a bunch of them I mean well actually I just got evicted from my apartment so I don't have them but I can get you the nasal ones and you know what's crazy is that every time I leave the hospital which I'm currently in right now I have this crazy yeah. ass leg situation going on but every time I leave the hospital they force me to take them, even though I'm like, no, I have a bunch at home. I don't need them. They, it's like, it's our policy because of the nature of your 
condition to force them upon you. And I look, and if my insurance didn't cover it, it would the nasal ones, it would cost $163 each time. It's crazy. And it, and when I was homeless, they used to just hand it out like candy to us. Well, here they hand it out like to everybody. And uh, every time I had gotten out of surgery and they gave me a take-home uh, prescription, they would give me a Narcan spray with it because... I mean, but it was funny because I was just like, I, I I understand, but it like they were at the hospital like wondering why my tolerance was so high. Yeah. <laughs> and I I guess I had done heroin for so many years, like I'm permanently affected by it, I guess. Oh, of course. Well, I mean, you shouldn't be permanently affected. Maybe it's because you're on pain meds. Well, yeah, and I think I think once they put me on the pain meds, uh I think it, that my intolerance just immediately went up. Because my body is so used to like, oh, we're doing dope again? Okay. Yeah, like, let me get ready. But let me tell you this really quick. Okay. Paul um, went and had surgery on his groin because he had been shooting up in his groin for years. And he had gotten an abscess for the only the second time in his life on his groin, you know, ever. And also his second abscess ever. So he had to go under surgery because he also had a blood clot. Um, But the reason was is the pus. The infection went so deep that even though he could, you know, get the pus out himself, uh-huh. it's still the stuff underneath went so deep that he couldn't. And there's also just a lot of blood because it turns out he had cut a really big, um, I don't know if it's a vein or an artery down there, but he had cut not all the way through, but partially to the point where it was constantly bleeding. And it what really was like, it was disgusting. Disgusting. Like every time he stood up, tried to walk, it would shoot out blood. And when I mean shoot out blood, I mean like fountain status. Like I was scared, like, how are you not passed out with all the blood you've lost? So anyways, um, he goes to the hospital. Jesus. Yeah. He, God damn it. He goes. That's fucking graphic. I know. He, Trigger warning. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to the hospital. And so they're like, yeah, dude. And he also had a stroke that we had no idea about. But come to think of it, it makes sense Ugh. because he was acting extremely odd. And he wasn't oh my God. able, yeah, I know, he wasn't able to put sentences together right. He wasn't slurring his word, but not getting sentences out right. And it scared me a lot to the point that after I got him into the hospital, I didn't go back to my apartment where we shared an apartment together for like two days because I was terrified. But um, what he went under they use fentanyl to put you under. And he warned them that, you know, he, most of the dope in Chicago is fentanyl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all fentanyl. Yeah. Even here, here on the West coast, everything's even the meth and like, oh, it's fucking crazy. You said even the black tar is mixed with fentanyl, which I find crazy. Yeah. Even like when I, before I went to rehab, um, at the needle exchange, they were giving out, with the needles free uh fentanyl test strips testers yeah so you would it's a oh my gosh can you send me some well i'd have to go to the needle exchange and i haven't been there oh yeah you're right <laughs> and we're both sober so that's pointless i yeah. um no but you know i do know some sober people that give out narcan they could probably get if i asked them they could be like yeah i'll mail you fentanyl test strips you know they're they've mailed me narcan for Dude, literally years, so. the people who hand the narcan out are always like i wish we could afford to give you the test your strips but they're just too expensive i guess you'll have to risk it 
God damn it. That's that's fucking brutal. Yeah, I know. I'd be offended. Well, like, like, what the? Okay, thanks. They, they, call, they, you know, this place is known. Chicago's crazy that way. You know, people just think it's all guns. But no, it's yeah. a lot of crazy drugs going on here. And when El Chapo got arrested, it actually really affected the dope here in Chicago. Well, of course. Of course, because I'm assuming as soon as El Chapo got popped, there's like 12 to like 50 like various sections of like his under minions who are going to fucking be fighting for um, supremacy, like for his place, for his spot. It just opened up. It's like help wanted sign. You want to be a fucking billionaire fucking drug, Lord. drug empire? Like, yeah, of course. But it's like a kingpin. Yeah, but a lot of that's achieved through the most insane violence oh, yeah. imaginable. We so. were just talking about the cartel and you were telling me about them burning bodies alive, you know, in fucking tires. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. I need to tell that story because um yeah, that's a good story. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's crazy story i was shocked i remember like cringing during multiple times of that but wait so i was really okay no, no i'm sorry i was go ahead, go ahead. Where, where, where were we're we? talking about paul no i and going under oh okay well well for paul i mean i'll just say this he had a he's got a blood clot in his groin if he doesn't fucking go to the hospital and take care of that shit he will fucking i know die. he ama'd after three That's, days but, and I was bringing him Jesus dope Christ. during that time, too. So, Jesus yeah. Christ. But anyways, so they put you under with fentanyl. And he had to have this surgery to get, because they had to cut him open. And they actually cut him open pretty far. And, you know, it was multiple inches. And, you know, they said to him, hey, we're putting you under fentanyl. He said, hey, I do fentanyl on the outside, you know, for fun, of course. Um, you know, I'm, yeah. I just want to let you know that cause I might need a little bit more, you know? And they're like, okay. And they're like, but I'm pretty sure you'll go under with the first thing. Well, the first dose, well, they did the first dose. They're like, here it's coming. And he's still talking to them. Like nothing happened. And they're like, okay, okay. So he's going to feel, he's going to feel everything. No, he didn't even him. go under at that it's point yet. Good. So, and they were putting him fully under, oh, I guess. God. And so they're, they put him out or maybe not fully, because maybe with fully, they'd give you a different antacyte, but whatever thing they did, they did it with fentanyl to put him at least under for, for just the first part of it, I guess. And then maybe they gave him anesthetic right after the fentanyl, but to get him under, they use fentanyl. So then they do a second one and they're like, okay, well, you're still talking like nothing's going on. You know, like you're not even affected by the fentanyl. And Paul told me he couldn't even feel the first or second one. And so they do a third one and they're like, okay, so this is the first time we've ever done a third one. He's still talking like nothing's going on. Dude, they did six times before Jesus. he went under. Yeah. And that just goes to show you how much fentanyl is in you know, the dope in Chicago. And, you know, of course, if he was a normal person and not doing dope, you know, he would be able to go under much easier. But I just think that's a crazy story. Yeah. Someone I knew from rehab who actually uh, was staff at the rehab. Um, he moved back up North and within like six months I heard about he relapsed, but then like right around after I heard him re that he relapsed, they found him, uh, he, in his car and he was he was over he had overdosed and his doc was meth mm. so it's like you could just be smoking meth yeah. now here on the west coast and could be like have fentanyl well crack so. is our meth out here hold on my nurse is here mm. 
I thought, I mean, it's 2021. Crack, I mean, meth is like the new no, crack everywhere. We smoke crack in Chicago. If you say you smoke meth, people look at you, disres- like, they look at you like you just said, like, um, I eat shit. Well, the, I've talked to many a crackheads out here, and they're like, "Yeah, I, sw- I switched to meth. Like it's the sm- it's the smarter it is. choice." It is. <laughs> you know what? I lose yeah. my mind nowadays on crack. I used to be able to mix crack with lemon juice and with Kool Aid, and that's how you break it down and you're able to shoot it. But seriously, yeah, I know. I go from zero to fucking like. Like, I don't even know how to describe it, but I get very paranoid very quickly. I think things are moving. I think people are watching uh, me. I think people are undercover cops. That's the absolute okay, worst. Yeah. yeah I, well, I, I do that on meth, too, whenever I sh- wouldn't do meth. Because once I started shooting up, like, once we started shooting up cocaine mm-hmm. and heroin together, I was like, what else can I mix in with yeah. my heroin? Or what else can I shoot up into my body? And then from that moment beyond, in my addiction, uh, at least, I mean... I was pretty uh, progressive with shooting up all the drugs I could. It's like if I got drugs, it's like, oh, I could shoot this up. Oh, I'm going to shoot it up. But of course, <clears throat> yeah, dude, it was I, I. It was like it hits your brain stream or your bloodstream and your brain like instantly. So I was like instant paranoia. And I did always think undercovers were watching me. That's the worst. I'd be at the DMV. One time I almost killed someone at the DMV. Well, not kill. What? Because he kept staring at me and I I already knew. I was like, dude, I I know I look fucked up. And you keep staring at me and making making it a worse scene. Like now I'm going to stare back at you even crazier. I was like, dude, I'm going to just fucking... I don't know. I was about to say something or like be like, dude, you, if you stare at me any longer, I'm going to see my you. problem is saying, I know who you are and what you're doing. Like, I know you're an undercover cop. That's my problem <laughs> in Venice beach. Like you and I lived in California for a few years together. And then I went off on my own yeah. and we broke up and, uh, yeah. I was living in Venice and I literally tried turning myself into beach security when I was on meth. And there is no beach security, Brian. I was just going up to random people. <laughs> beach security. Trying to turn myself in before it got before they like tackled me. And there was I was scaring families and tourists, you know, looking like a fool. You thought a family of four was like yes, all undercover. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I like how you said though that a guy was staring at you, and that was the reason why you were about to kill him. Well, he wouldn't stop, and it's like. I already have like lived the life of an addict being strung out, being like trying sobriety, struggling with it. And it's like, I've already dealt with the, the eyes of judgment and the face of disgust look from people like so many times. And it's like, I'm trying to enjoy my little high (laughs) while I'm stuck in line at the DMV. And this guy just won't stop. Like, I guess I can tell what he's thinking. Oh, he's a fucking junk, you know, druggie, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, yeah. look somewhere else. It's almost like, um, you know how in Skid Row, it's like very few people can like actually film in Skid Row because most of the people in Skid Row yes. want to kill you if they see you walking around filming them because it's like you're you are documenting the lowest point in and their existence. And it's not even that. A lot of life. people are on the run and they don't know who they who's filming. That's how it was under Lower Wacker when I lived under Lower Wacker when I was homeless in Chicago when I kind of first came here. Oh, my God. You would tell me, like, when you first came to Chicago, you would tell me about how you were uh, living under this one bridge. It was Lower Wacker. And for anybody who 
doesn't know about it, Lower Wacker is in whole underground, like, it's where, you know, these fancy hotels up above, they don't have the ability to have semis come and drop stuff off. So they built this place, and Al Capone, I think, originally had these tunnels made, but much, it wasn't as big as it is now. He originally had it made for smuggling alcohol. What? I'm not quite sure on that, but I know Al Capone was the first person, I think. I'm probably going to get in the comment section totally schooled on what the original tunnels were for, but that's what I was told. And then also it became, like I said, later on for like hotels and businesses. So there's constantly semis going underneath there and it goes, it goes up like at least like two levels in a way. There's like bridges that go up. Um, and it's very scary. It's an underground area and a lot of homeless people used to live there, not as much anymore, but they used to live there a lot. And I was one of them and I lived there for four years. Four. Yeah. Even during winter time. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you telling me a lot of people that would die there was just because they would freeze to death at night when they'd fall asleep. Of course. Yeah. Like during the winter. Even more, like more than overdose. Yeah, I have found, I have found dead bodies. Yeah. Oh well. I mean, yeah. You told me a lot, but I mean, Chicago is fucking. I've had, I've been shot at under Lower Wacker with a BB gun just for fun. I've had shit thrown at me, like like beer bottles, like full beer bottles thrown at me just because I was homeless and I was living in a homeless community. Rude, you know, like. For real. <laughs> rude. Fuck. Yeah. That, that can do da- that serious damage. It's more than rude, but. Um. I had a gun thrown in my bed and then I didn't know it was thrown in my bed. And then I come back one day the next day because I spent the night somewhere else and I come back and my my bed, my whole area is trashed. And I'm like, what the fuck? Because it's only my bed area. Well, then my friend later tells me months later, he's like, yeah, I found a gun in your bed and I went and sold it on the West Side for like six jabs and I never told you about it. And then oh, I guess the wow. person. Wait, si- what's six jabs? What's a jab? Okay, so a jab is anywhere from 10 to 13 bags because when you get sold, when, when okay, oh. like a J-pack is 10 jabs. And so, like, whoa, yeah, that's a lot of jabs. And each bag is $10 a piece. So when shorties get, and shorties is like usually like a younger person selling drugs and they're selling it for somebody else. And usually there can be sometimes one shorty on a block or, you know, four shorties at a block that's selling at that location, depending on how popular that location is. And, you know, what's crazy is that, like, when you're walking down certain streets, they're like, 10, or they're like, you know, sawbuck, sawbuck D, sawbuck C, sawbuck means $10, that it's 10, it costs $10. And, you know, um, they implement shorties because most of they're like underage and they don't get charges. Their parents will get charged. Basically. Yeah. I've been served by literally a 10 year old. No joke. A 10 year old. He came up to my like waist. Yeah. Jesus fuck. They can run like so fucking fast. It's unreal and it's crazy. And then Hell it's yeah. funny because they'll be running and then they'll just stop at like an area that's super populated with people walking around and you'll hear people yelling like right before they stop running. You'll hear people yelling like, go shorty, go. And then you'll be like hearing like, they're around the block on the left hand side coming up Lawndale. You know, and then you'll hear them. Yeah, I bet oh, they yeah, get away all crazy. the time. And then they stop running and you'll hear people yell, just blend in, blend in. And like people around them will help them like throwing sweater jackets at them and everything. Cause they see that it's their own people. They don't want to get them nice. locked up. 
Hell yeah. Fuck the police. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, Brad. I see how you're doing it. But yeah, I feel the exact same way. I'm trying to... I've been like trying... Since I've been clean, I've been trying not to be so fuck the police lately. <sighs> well, no, no. You know what? Can I tell you something? When I was When I was getting high, I've had police literally like... Okay, like one time I was walking with Paul and it was winter time and I was we were, we had just bought crack and we only had one pipe and Paul was such a selfish person even though like it was my money at times and in that time I don't know if it was my money it could have been our boosting money because we used to steal and sell sell to our fence right over there on Chicago Avenue yeah so it could have been our money combined my point is is that he always had to go first no matter what uh-huh. so a lot of times if we only had one pipe. We, I had to wait for him to go first. And, you know, you put a crack rock on a $10 crack rock. Usually you don't break it up into two pieces. You know, it should take you like three minutes at the absolute most. This motherfucker would walk around a block, take the hit, put it all in, but take a hit, walk around the block, say he's like, oh, yeah, I'm about to give it to you. I'm about to give it to you. I'm holding this crack rock. It's winter time. You know, it's in my hand. I'm freezing. I don't have my gloves on. Yeah, it's so finally warm he up. gives it. <laughs> Yeah, finally Jesus. he gives it to me, and I'm about to, you know, put it in the pipe and smoke it. And I, I, yeah, I did. I put it in the pipe and I hit it once. And then out of nowhere, I hear this like screeching of tires coming from like two different directions. And these narcs, you know, they they pulled up and they stopped and they're running at me. And there's like, they, you know, they're three deep from each direction, so it's six deep. And I'm like, what the fuck? And at first, I think they're running after the shorties, but then I realize they're running after me. Oh, and I'm just fuck. standing there like, what? And they immediately, like, I throw the crack pipe on the ground, and there's so much snow, it just immediately sinks into the snow, and it's hot. Because it's too hot. So it just goes even further down. And it's metal, too, which is not, don't judge me by having a metal pipe. I prefer <laughs> glass, but I only had metal that day. So do not judge me on that. Okay. okay? Deal. I'm not that kind of girl. I <laughs> want to smoke class. I want to smoke crack like a classy lady, okay? We all do. Not like a hype. You know? Of course. If you're going to smoke crack, I mean, come on. You got to do it in class. And you want it to taste. Yeah, it's well, about it the never ta- ends up in class. It's about the taste, really, you know? Because it tastes better okay. in a glass crack pipe. I mean, we all know this. Well, you just can see it better, you know? And it doesn't burn as fast. Yeah, It's just true. better. Yeah. It's just better. Like, like having a, a metal pipe is like last resort. Like, well, yeah. oh, I couldn't get a glass one, so I had to buy a metal one. And also, it also has to do with I am never able to smoke crack classy and I'm always a hype and a fiend and I burn my lips on a fucking metal pipe and I have permanent like like you see a little black mark or a little not black but it's a little bit darker than the rest of my lip and it lasts for about two weeks every what time fuck? I can't control myself and I burn myself my lips on a metal pipe fuck that shit but anyways these cops okay they run after me they immediately fucking you know shake me up when they fucking, you know, grab me really hard and shove me against the, you know, regardless of knowing that I'm a female, they shove me up the fucking fence, the metal fence that's right next to me. And they cuff me and they're like, you know, we saw you buy crack, which is not true. They said they saw me buy crack. They saw me put the, or they saw me cuff the crack and throw the pipe or whatever. So that's not true at all because first of all, Paul bought the crack. <laughs> I was like 10 feet in back of him. Yeah. He bought the crack. Well, he bought two. 
he put his on and smoked it. And like I said, he walked around like it was a goddamn parade with it. <laughs> like for, it's a trumpet. For, it's a crack. Yeah. And they didn't see him smoke the smoke his crack, but they get me after I put it on for two seconds, barely take a hit and throw it. And they said they didn't see me smoke it, that I had cuffed it and that they wanted the crack. They said, if you just show us the crack bag, we'll let you go. We'll let yeah, you go. Right. I had a warrant in yeah. Well, I had a warrant in DuPage, yeah. and sometimes they do let you go like that. But with six deep, they're not going to let me no go. Way. Yeah. No way. No way. No way. <laughs> and so if there was one person or two people by themselves, they've let me go before. And other other people, too, they'll be like, they'll sometimes take, like, if you have, say, four bags, they'll take three of the bags and let you keep one. And they'll be like, I don't ever want to see you in this area again. Get lost. You know, that's rare. Or they'll take all of the shit. Yeah. That's rare. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, they'll, if they take it, I mean, that's it crazy. has happened. Yeah. But <sighs> get this. Okay. So they go and they, they, they find the pipe on the ground and they're like, Oh yeah, it's ice cold. Yeah, bitch. Cause I just fucking threw it in the snow. You know, it's going to be cold. I threw it in fucking like two feet of snow. Yeah. So they find the pipe and they're like, yeah, it's ice cold. She never smoked anything in it. And I'm like, you said you were watching me. So you would have known that I just smoked in it. And look at my eyes. And I'm scared. I'm shaking. Oh, yeah. And you know, but yeah. did you even get high on the crack? Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> so it made everything way scarier. Yeah, of course. And like, I should be like. Like, what is that? Like, um, like I shouldn't be scared of cops anymore by how many interactions I've had with them. You know, I've yeah. been in Cook County jail multiple times. You know, I should be in other jails, unfortunately, <laughs> but I should be like desensitized to cops at this point. I shouldn't be scared of them. And Paul would always be like, stop shaking. <laughs> and it's hard because there's been times where they've rolled up on us in the alley, which is bad because even if you're walking in an alley in Chicago, I don't know about other states, that is um, already, uh, I think what it's called, it's already like suspicion for them to stop you and talk to you. Oh, wow. It's reasonable um, suspicion or whatever it's called. I don't yeah. know. But they're, it's not illegal for them to stop you in an alley and be like, uh, let me search you because you're not supposed to be in somebody else's alley. But anyways, I've had them roll up on us. What if you are the owner of the alley? You're like, I own this fucking alley. Get, get oh, lost. You or know. you're the, the owner of the house in the alley? Yeah. Then yeah, you should be fine. Okay. You should be fine. All right. But um, with us carrying backpacks and stuff, they know we don't live there. And plus, <laughs> we're white. We don't belong there. Like, they know it. They can see that we're junkies. Yeah, they're like junkies for sure. Backpacks for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so, anyways, they've rolled up us in, on us in alleys because, like, Chicago alleys, a lot of people get high in them. There's, like, you'll always find on the west side, at least where I, where I used to, my stopping grounds are, which is Chicago Avenue all the way from, you know, Pulaski in Chicago to, um, like, Sacramento and Chicago, wow. which is a good, you know, many blocks. It would probably take 20 minutes to walk from Sacramento and Chicago all the way to Pulaski and Chicago. And from that point on, it's like from that area that I just said, in between, it's all covered with drugs and it goes drugs up north and it goes drugs up south. There's so many spots and like how it is in Chicago is you just walk up on a block and there could be a dealer on one side of the block and a dealer on another side. Then you turn the other side, there's a dealer there and it's all different territories of people. And it's mainly, mainly all obviously run by gangs. So vice Lords could have this side and the other side could be run by GDs. So you know? wait, let me ask you this because in skid row, there is, there's a, the politic, the main rule is there's like a neutral 
it's neutral for gang conflict. So all the gangs declare it neutral, a neutral zone for them all to sell drugs. And, um, turf can be settled, you know, outside of Skid Row, but Skid Row is always neutral. Is that the same in Chicago or is it different? No, no. Okay. No. Gangs own like the vice Lords own like Ridgeway and Chicago Avenue yeah. all the way down to like Ridgeway in Ohio or something. Okay. And that's only just like one block on one side. Like, and there's other blocks that they own too. I'm just saying that's where my stomping grounds are. And that's where people who are vice Lords sell. And they're constantly out there 24 seven rolling dice, you know, playing quarters. Yeah. They, someone just got shot. Uh, vice Lords shot their own vice Lords because, okay. So there was like seven people playing, I don't know. Actually, I don't know. It could have been more. But anyways, there's a bunch of people playing uh, and watching, a ton of people watching, too, uh, um, a a dice game. And some dude lost, and he was in the hole pretty bad. And uh, I guess he tried to walk away from the gang, from the game, or he got in an argument with the gang, and he got an argument with the people also playing in the game, I mean. And he got shot. Yeah. 28 times Ooh. by six different guns. Oh yeah. Well, you have, you have to set, you, know? you have to settle up your debt when you gamble. It's always the rule. I mean, in jail, in my pod in LA County jail, like no one was allowed to play a uh, pinnacle because, uh, right before pinnacle? it's this card game that involves two decks of cards to play it. Oh, it's I never major. I, I learned how to play spades in jail and rummy and all that, but I never learned how to play pinochle because I was like, why don't why don't we play that? And they were like, yeah, uh, before you got transferred in, uh, someone lost to a game of pinochle and, and stabbed the other dude in the neck. <laughs> so, oh, whoa. yeah, it's, it was pretty serious. Intense. Yeah, they don't like gambling, but it's like it's a main rule. It's like you settle up your debts. And if you don't or you think you can just walk away from it, you Everyone like lights it, you up, dude. It's crazy. It must have been more than just um, gambling with ramen. It must have been and and summer sausage. It must have been gambling with putting money on your. No, bed. I mean in jail, ramen is just as uh, valuable as um, money. You know the the. You're telling me somebody stabbed somebody over ramen. If it's like um, if they're betting over like just uh, commissary currency. Because it's a dollar a pack, right? Yeah, but, uh, well, yeah, no. That's currency. Ramen's yeah, no, currency. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking of how much it is on the outs. But, yeah, in jail, yeah, it's way more expensive. Um, but if it's like, I mean, if you're betting a certain amount of money and you don't, you know, divvy up what you lost, I mean, you're fucked. I mean, that's the way yeah. it is. But, yeah. yeah, no, that's crazy. Um, But we never got into um, why you're in the hospital. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm in the hospital because... Months ago, I shot up in my knee. In not my knee. Oh my god! That would be bad. I shot up in my leg. Your, what would you shoot up in your thigh or calf? Both. Ooh. How? Yeah. Wait. How hard is it to shoot up in the leg? Because I had to. I did the foot, and that was horrible because it was so bony. We both have it, together. Yeah. It's so shot up in the foot. Yeah. It sucks. So bony. You know. 
It's painful. Yeah, and it's super sensitive, and you cannot use a dull needle. And you can't miss because it's not good if you miss. Oh, I've missed, and it's hurt. Yeah. I've shot up in my big toes, and it oh, hurts. Oh, God. But you can't really miss in your big toes unless you've just shot up in there, and it's, like, super sensitive. And, like, you know when you have certain veins where you shoot up in them once? You didn't miss, but that vein kind of ducks down and doesn't yeah. want to come out. Oh, yeah. Well, when I tried to shoot up in it again right afterwards... It didn't go well. Remember my friend Josh? Yeah. He would, he was so shitty. Like he he lost so many veins. He would be in a, we'd be shooting up together and he would be shooting up in a a little tiny vein in his knuckles because that's all he had left. And he just have, did he shoot up in his neck ever? I don't think he resorted to his neck. He would always just go for the, he went for the knuckles. Like once all his arms were shot. So I, he would be pissed because I had hit my crux like first time and I'd be like, yeah, first try, baby. And he would be like, fuck. You always said that. It's so annoying. I know. I, I did it. I was such an asshole. I did it like to in, like dunk on people who were like struggling to like register. Bitch, we fucking, you sometimes, you said that, you said that a lot of times when it was just me and you getting high. So you were getting down on me. I'm sorry. Let me tell you something about Brian right now. Oh. Brian costed me dollars because what? he shot me up in my fucking arm oh and fuck. I, that was you an accident did something that was an accident you did something weird and i had to go into surgery emergency surgery the next day yeah we did and they remember they told you that when i said oh my god because they're like you need surgery and i looked at brian like Dude, you didn't even want to take me to the hospital. You called me a baby when I asked you to help me <laughs> you, put on my bra. Yeah, you were you were the And this had ang- just happened oh, like you were angry. What? You were, what 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 you, what you got to say? No, you were angry at me and and you, you know, justified. I mean, I was I I, I was scared. I also so cried I. and had you hold me cuz I didn't cuz they said this to me. They said I said, oh, my gosh, I want to get a second opinion. And what really meant was I want to go see our dealer and get high before I have this surgery. And they go, honey, if you leave this hospital right now, you're going to come back in a body bag. And I was like, yeah, it was crazy because we were getting high. So like for days and days and days at the bungalow at my bungalow. And um, Mm -hmm. I was we were living together. Yeah. And so I remember it was it was it Coke and heroin or just heroin? That we did. I thought it was just heroin, but you said it was coke and heroin. And I lied to them and I told them that it was meth because in my book, meth seemed classier than heroin. But then I ended up, then they, yeah, I know. And then they told me that, you know, they know that it's something else, which I don't know how they know that. But I said, okay, yeah, it's meth. And I mean, it's heroin. (laughs) And then when... They opened me up when I had emergency surgery, and this is the thing that cost me. I had really good insurance, but I had to have emergency surgery. So the doctor who did it, he was a um, plastic surgeon and also a specialist in, like, some sort of vein shit. I don't know. But he he wasn't on my, my, like, list of doctors I can see. So I had to pay out of pocket. No, you... And you cost... Dollars, yeah. My mom was pissed. Oh yeah. Well, your mom. Yeah, and yeah. it's bogus as hell. But anyways, he does the surgery. Okay. He had to take out a vein. I he know. had to remove I a remember. vein, I rem- Brian. I remember. I remember the the. And he had to clean my tendons out. Dude, this is what was crazy. Is like uh, you got butterfingers, bro. No, bro, butterfingers. Okay, so let me just say this. I was uh, you you always uh had trouble registering, and you would always have me, uh, like do it for you. And um, 
I was always trying to hit you, and then it was always hard to uh, register because your veins are like deep or like yeah. Even before like I started using, I had no yeah, veins. Naturally, your veins just don't like pop out like, and um, so I had hit. And just for the record, I'm not fat. Like no, I used to be kind of chubby, but it wasn't because of that. Like I just literally had no veins that you could see. Or feel. There's some really sexy photos we can throw up on the IG for this no. episode. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. Okay. Anyway. But if you do want to see some, my Instagram handle is blah, blah, blah. I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, I mean, don't be so ashamed. I am starting my own uh, foot fetish only fans. So, you know. No, you're not. I'm, I've seen your feet. They're not worthy of that. They, that's for sure. They will be. When they when they get Botox and like some so like UV tanning and and waxing, my feet aren't that. You have some hairy ass feet. No, I don't. The legs, yes, but after the ankle, it's pretty pretty bare. <laughs> okay, well, you should send me some like prototype photos so I can you know like tell you what to post. And okay, you'll be my manager, but um, no, I was. I've always been your manager, Brian. <laughs> always, I was the one who told you that those. Janko shorts or whatever you call them should be burned. They're called Jinkos, first of all. And okay, yeah, like the fact that you still know the name of them and stuff. Like, yes. I hope they're not in your closet. Um, and I think I have a. You know what? I think I have a, the big po- back pocket of one for memories that I come. I like whip out of a shoebox. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I smell it and think hold on one second. I have somebody coming in. Hey, sorry about that. It's all good. Oh, uh, are we still on record? Yes, but I just have to say because what what were what were we talking about? Okay, so we were talking about Jinko shorts, but we were talking about my thigh. <laughs> no, okay, so, um, but yeah, then we talked about that story in L.A. between you and me. I was shooting you up, and um, I pulled back the plunger right. And it re- yeah. it registered fine, just like any other perfect register. Um, so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, blood means go. Usually red means stop, but in this case, red means go. So of course, yeah. So okay, wow. <laughs> I put that's like a heroin dad joke. <laughs> I know, and I don't have any kids. Isn't it weird? So um, mm. uh, I like red means. Red means go when you're shooting heroin, right. and red means stop when you're driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, um, yeah. So I was like, I was like, I push the plunger down, and you're like, <clears throat> you're like, dude, it burns, like stop. And I was like, what? What the hell? So then I um, pulled the plunger back again, bunch of blood. So I was like, oh, well, I'm still registered, and so I would, I pushed it down a little bit more, and you're like, no, fuck you, it burns, and I was like what the fuck? And I kept pulling back the plunger and kept getting blood. So I was like, this is, and, uh, weird. Yeah. Um, and then the next day I, we had to take you to the hospital, but I remember being super high and trying to not look as high as I was at the hospital because we were, I was super paranoid. I mean, you were, you and I were both paranoid. So, and were we both high or were you just high? No, we were definitely both high, but I, I mean, yeah. I think you were probably so paranoid and it almost sobered you up, you know, because I was so, I was so in pain. Cause I remember during yeah. the night I, I had my, I was laying sideways. You were spooning me per the use and I had my 
arm, my wrist, usually you have your arm around me, but I said no that night because my wrist and hand hurt so bad that I said no. And I put my hand, my whole arm, like on my hip, you know, laying down uh-huh. vertically. And I remember at one point, I don't know if you knocked me over or if I was just sleeping and I knocked it over myself or didn't remember in sleep that I had a fucked up hand arm yeah. and I somehow dropped it down and I burst it out into like screaming pain, crying. And you were like, shut up. <laughs> it doesn't hurt that bad. Oh my God. And I was I, like, yeah, it I'm does. sorry. I'm sorry. Jesus. I said that. I'm, I feel like an asshole. Yeah. Well, sober me. Kind of were at times. At I know, times. I know. I'm sorry. Not all the time. I loved you at times too. I know. You were good. Thank you. Um, but no, yeah, we. T- I took you to the hospital. I don't even remember what hospital in L.A. I took you to, um, but I took you there, and uh, you got admitted. And um, I remember I couldn't see you because they were about to take you in for surgery but you were like trying to adamant about you coming in there and the doctors talking to you yeah but you were also trying to whisper to me like go hit up steve uh we need to go get a bag and i want to get high (laughs) and so i'm in like the waiting room and uh i'm like messaging stoner steve and you know as the use and um of course. And I let him know what's going on. And then he's like, yeah. And so he calls me back, tells me where to meet him. And then I, I, w- I wasn't even able to go in and see you, but um, you had your phone, I think. So I just texted you, yeah, where I'm going out to get the, to, to re-up. And uh, we went and, uh, or when I went. No, you came into <clears throat> the hospital room. And told you I was leaving? No, you came in because I said, no, he has to know. No, at that point, because remember, I was like, at that point, you hadn't heard back from Stoner Steve or you hadn't messaged him. But I remember seeing your face shocked. And I remember me telling you, I told you something was wrong. So either way, you came into the hospital room first, I think. Yeah. And it was in the ER. We were in the ER. And you were told that, yes, because I remember you were there when I said, I want to get a second opinion. And you were there when they said, no, because if you get a second opinion and leave here, you're going to come back in a body bag. So, see, you were there. I remember being shocked. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, because then after surgery, when I woke up, you weren't there. And they took me up to the room upstairs. And then you brought Stoner Steve. Yeah, I came back with Stoner Steve. I remember that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, we ended up going to downtown, and it was like rush hour. So the two freeway, the two southbound was, I think we took the two southbound. I forget, but I just remember it's you were just <clears throat> you and him. Yeah, it was just me and him, but it was just fucking traffic. It was bad, and so uh, I think uh, it was even messaging him like, "Where the fuck are you?" <laughs> and so we rushed over to like Echo Park, and. Um, we used to always go there together. Oh, always. To Echo Park was the spot to get good. I loved it, too. We used to remember that time you were shooting up and you sprayed out bloody water and a biker was driving by, like a bicyclist. Yeah. And you sprayed it all on him. Oh, he yes. had no idea. That was, I'm sorry, but to the biker, the bicyclist. That was fun. The bicyclist. Well, I didn't see him coming until the, I was just like, oh, I'm going to spray this out on my window because it just shot up and I'm just getting that rush. I'm like, all right, let's get rid of this blood um, at the end of my rig. And the last second he fucking flies and, oh, yeah, yeah, shit. It was pretty funny. 
you, they don't know if you have AIDS or if you have, you know, hepatitis well, C. Or I if have. You are infected. I've been tested many times, and I'll have you know, I'm HIV and hepatitis C free. But and also, oh, if we can get that bicyclist, if we can get the message out to him that he's squirted with just good, healthy blood. I'm I, the message is out there right now to the the random bicyclist in L.A. and also in Echo Park. In Echo, but it was also not intentional. It's like, dude, like I don't know who goes bicycle in that part of the ghetto in L.A. Why would you ride your bike around Echo Park? It's junkies, there's so many heroin needles in that fucking little ravine or whatever. Come on, you know. Anyway, so I, I just remember we went it went to meet there. We got it, and then we went back to the hospital. And um, <clears throat> I remember it was very difficult to try and like cook up a shot for you in your room because we were paranoid about like nurses coming in. Uh, yeah, I don't know why you didn't go into the bathroom. You had I don't remember this. See, I don't remember this. Did you, at all. I, I mean, I remember you coming in with Stoner Steve, but that's it. Well, see, I didn't even, I was so high. I don't even know if you had your own bathroom or what. I was just like, all right. <laughs> I was just so like. I was jealous of you being that high. I know. I know. I know. Um, even then I felt a little bad, but it's like, I also, it's like when you're in a relationship with an addict, I mean, these things happen and I was being selfish and I, you know, I'm, I'm apologize now. I'm sorry. But, uh, I remember I had to, well, we, you got high with us and then I had to give a ride to Stoner Steve, uh, to his house or whatever. And I came back to the hospital and then we spooned in your like tiny hospital bed. <laughs> and when the nurses woke up to take your vitals or, or woke, they didn't wake up or they wake us up, you know, they they came in to take your oh. vitals and wake us up. I mean, Oh, we were asleep when they came in? Ooh, that's suspect. And I I had my shirt off, and we were, like, totally spooning. Oh, God. And uh, they were just, like, angry. They came in looking, gave me such a death stare because I, like, crawled into the hospital bed with you to spoon all night. Uh, I probably, oh, you spent the whole night? Yeah, and we, we spooned all night in a tiny little hospital bed. Aww. And I think I think every four hours, yeah, right, romantic. And every four hours, they came in to do my vitals, uh, yeah. or something like that. And they probably saw us while we were asleep. I just didn't notice, but to like, you know what? I want to say that this, like, this is kind of shameful, but this is not the first time a boyfriend has spent like a significant amount of time where a nurse came in and was angry, and like, I had a whole team of doctors walk in one time when one of my ex boyfriends, his name is. Yeah. When oh, I should probably say his name. Whatever. We'll sample that. Um, edit that out. But. It's okay. Yeah. When he had surgery on his ball sack Ooh. because he had been shooting up in his groin and he got an infection uh-huh. in his balls and his balls got huge and turned black. No joke. Like how huge? And it was funny. Like grapefruit size huge or beyond? Like um tennis ball size. Okay, that's pretty bad though. That's big. Yeah, and it was very painful, he told me. Very, very painful. I bet. And I had to, I took off my pants because my pants were really tight. And getting in bed with somebody, they kept slipping down. And I'm six foot tall. I'm extremely tall. I mean, I'm not extremely Wait, tall. Wait, you got in bed with the big ball guy? He had already had surgery. He oh, was good. Oh, okay. I'm just I'm just And he couldn't clarifying. do anything. Just clarifying. Yeah. He's like he could do anything sexual. He was no, too know. much in pain. Just spoony love action. Yeah. And That's he, all. He he had surgery, but I got in bed just to cuddle with him. Yeah. But I had to take my jeans off 
because like I said, they were, they looked really good, but they were way too tight. I'm six feet tall. They kept sliding down and I kept getting like plumber's crack Ooh. and I didn't like that. No. Like when I laid down, like when I laid down, yeah. they had blankets on me, not in real life. Okay. Not when I stood up. Okay. But, um, but I had, I took my belt off too, because I had a belt on to keep them up. You know, so when I laid down, I didn't want that tight ass belt on and yeah. the tight jeans on. That's uncomfortable. So I took them off. And so a whole team of his doctors come in, like it's oh, two doctors no. and like two residents. So it's four doctors, you know, or four people in there. Oh my God. And they go and they just walk in. They barely knock on the door before they walk <laughs> in. They don't even wait for a response. And they're like, oh, is it okay if you get out of bed and we talk to, you know, your oh. boyfriend, you know? And they, I go, yeah. And I go, um, can you just let me put my pants back on? Oh, no. And it was just such an embarrassing, shameful moment. <laughs> and they probably thought we were having sex. Yeah, they're like, ma'am, like, he's not allowed to use balls for like two months. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They probably thought like I could barely wait till after surgery. Oh. Like I was some sort of sex fiend. Wow. But yeah, I just wanted to let you know that that wasn't the first time that doctors or nurses have walked in on me in bed with somebody else in the hospital. That time it was just pantsless. Yeah, that was a uh, uh, that was a rough time. I'm I am sorry about that. Uh, I I thought this whole time that your insurance covered that, but no, they didn't. And I told you this because my mom bitched about it on the phone. You know this. I definitely took. I like cleared that out of my memory because I was just like, I remember first it was just like so fucked. I mean, we had a lot of fun first of all. Um, like, but we. I mean, so when we talk about the bad times. I'm not going to absolve like anything like we had, we spent the thing that was great about that era for you and me is that we were running around in LA. We had, uh, all the, our shelter and everything we, we took all that was taken we care had of. rent covered. Yeah. I had rent covered and, uh, and the, my mom was sending me obscene amount of money. Yeah, and um, every every week we had no responsibilities, so we just ran. We ran the streets of LA, just re-upping all the, like every day. I remember like so many mornings we would wake up at like eight a.m. just sweating and be like, "Fuck," because uh, was like he had the perfect like delivery system. It was eleven to seven, yeah. eleven to seven, eleven a.m. to seven p.m. every day. And on weekends, he had like he tag teamed his homie to cover weekends. But it's like you could call him from those times, and you could either he wait for him to come to you, or you could just meet him somewhere. Meet him fast, and it was usually in Echo Park. Usually, he would deliver to celebrities in Beverly Hills. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. He was a celebrity dealer, so we felt like a like we were a big deal because. Uh, we were doing the same drugs as like our, all the celebrities we looked up to, you know. There was actually celebrities we we looked up to, Brian, that we loved their music, and it was like, yeah, I sold them, and he's like, I even have pictures to prove it. I met them backstage, and that's where I sold to them. Like he he was called to like meet them, you know, after a concert. Like who? You know, who I'm did, like who shocked. Did, who did he meet backstage or whatever? Can we talk about this on the record? Well, I'm going to censor out his name, but... Okay, yeah. so censor out what I'm about to say. Guys, uh, remember? Yeah. He had a picture of... Um, he said even Sky Ferreira was there, who was the girlfriend of the lead singer, Cole. We don't have to censor out Dive, do we? I don't know, because we're talking about them doing drugs. Well, he got busted for... Well, supposedly meeting. Allegedly. Yeah, well, if he... It, it's on record, like, in the news that he got busted, like, uh, for drugs. So it's like, 
both of them did. Yeah, you would have. They both got drunk. Who's who we mean? Him and his uh, girl. Cole and Sky Ferreira, but I think Sky Ferreira, um, Cole ended up taking the whole charge because they got caught with multiple bags in New York City. Yeah, so it's like if you put two and two together, he's probably buying drugs off of drug dealers, and those drug dealers are probably like, oh, I'm selling drugs to a famous person. Let's let me go to a concert or something. Like it's come on, it's common knowledge. But he's, I mean, I don't even know if he's. I assumed he was got clean, you know? <clears throat> yeah, he said in, I've read in interviews that um, a couple years ago that uh, he said that he was um, sober from heroin. Yeah. So he's at least sober from heroin. So maybe because some people consider being on methadone and Suboxone not sober. And I kind of agree with that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's but, such a fucking debate. I don't even, I don't well, even care. Well, the thing is, is you're putting, <laughs> you know, you're putting your faith, you're putting your faith, if you believe in the 12 steps and you follow the 12 steps, which yeah. I do personally, that's why I consider being on Suboxone and heroin, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Suboxone and methadone, yeah. um, not sober, is because it, for me, who follows the 12 steps, I'm supposed to put my faith in God to keep me sober, and I'm putting my faith in. I'm currently on methadone, months, you know, methadone. So I, I'm putting my faith in methadone to keep me sober. So you don't, you, you don't consider yourself sober because you're on methadone, is what you're saying? Exactly. Um, but if I were to right. smoke weed, I would consider myself sober. Really? Okay. Just, just weed. If I wasn't on methadone and I just smoked weed, I would consider myself sober because I don't consider weed a drug. Okay. So let's talk about this because I always see these fucking debates on social media and whatnot. And even like these recovery quote unquote, like groups on Facebook and people will post, Oh, um, I'm on Suboxone. Am I sober? And there's so many factions, different factions of <clears throat> subsections of like recovery communities. And this, they say, oh, you're not sober if you take Suboxone. And it's such a like, everybody always talks about it. And I would love to give my opinion, which is, you know, talk to your sponsor. If anyone out there wondering, it's like, dude, I, for like, for me personally, I'm like, yeah, I don't take Suboxone or Methadone and I'm trying to practice the steps or whatever. Because the rehab I went to, it's like 12 months of having to learn that and stuff. So it's like, that's my whatever foundation for me trying to stay clean. But it's like, I'm not going to judge anybody else if that saved their life. Or or if someone is like, yeah, I'm on Suboxone. I'd probably be dead if I wasn't. I mean, let's, mm-hmm. let's not um, deny the fact that a lot of us, it's me even, I've been on the methadone program four times. And it's like... They call it liquid handcuffs for a reason. It's like it's not easy to get off methadone. It's incredibly difficult because, like, the metabolites stay in your system, like, four times longer. So you feel withdrawals, like, four times longer, basically. So, and and Suboxone's pretty much the same thing. It's like I know so many, so many people who told me, like, yeah, I got down to my last milligram and I'm really hurting right now, you know? Yeah, that's... Tor, my ex-fiance, he was on his last milligram for literally a month, and he went back to heroin, and he ended up ODing and dying in my apartment, our apartment. That's the thing, and I and he I, was on it for month, one milligram. I know a lot of people who got who were really adamant about Suboxone and tapered off, and then, well, I think they probably 
probably tapered too fast. And then when they were off, um, they relapse. Uh, then that's not to say, you know, people don't have great experiences from Suboxone, you know? And it's like, who the, for me personally, my opinion is who the fuck am I to suggest to anybody or put out into the world? Hey, this is, this is what you do. This is what you're supposed to do to be sober. This is what's so, you know, this is sober and this is not sober. It's like, if anyone out there is wondering, you call your fucking sponsor and it, you should choose a sponsor you trust that gives you good information. But it's like, I understand both sides, but then I, under, I just do what works best for me. And as far mm-hmm. as, as far as that, like, I don't really have the energy to fucking judge people for what they it keeps them off heroin. It's like, yeah, you know, like I, I see the pitfalls from uh like suboxone and methadone, but I also see the good it causes, right? So it's like for me, it's like mm-hmm. but but the thing that gets me is some so many people online get so self-righteous and hung up. Heated. They yeah they get heated on it. Because they get so it's like self- politics. And well you know what I think it is is it's like well you're talking about topics that involve, you know, a lot of people who have loved ones that are dead now from overdose or, you know, struggling with addiction, right? So that's why I believe that where all the passion and the heated, you know, debates occur. Um, so that's why I'm just like, you know, I've already, I have my own mourning and shit to deal with loss. So it's like, I don't even have the energy to try and, jump into those type of conversations with people because it's like, ultimately, um, like, what does it matter? What the fuck I think anyway, when there, when there's already a million people fucking arguing about it anyway, it's like, well, I would, would just you get talk in public. Sorry, go on. I would just get lost in a, in a sea of like, vo- you know, yelling voices. It's just like, what's the fucking point? And it's like, I'm already doing what I can, which is already, it's pretty, difficult to not do heroin right now so it's and actually i'm say at this moment it's my sobriety i'm doing like the best i've ever done you know i'm gonna have a mm-hmm. i have a good thing going uh and i'm every day i'm learning how to handle situations in a new way right without resorting to drugs and whatnot but um so it's like dealing with that alone like why would i fucking I can distract myself in so many healthier ways than than arguing with a stranger on Facebook about what is and isn't sober. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it's like I res- I respect people have their opinions like about or taking a side about you know. But it's like I just like this is what works for me and this is what I do. But if something works for something else, then by all means, because we're all wired so differently. Um, and also. I had a sponsor, my only sponsor I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And I really liked her. And she found out I was on gabapentin because I told her. Uh-huh. And she goes, and I knew that from the get-go, she would not sponsor me if I was on Suboxone or Methadone. She told me that straight up. Yeah. And I go, okay, well, I wasn't at the time. I had been, you know, just off on nothing. I was on psych meds, but that was it. Okay. And I was also on gabapentin because I also had leg surgery before on my ankle. Okay. For ripping ligaments and tendons. But I think I was also on it for what? That just sounds brutal. Ripping ligaments and tendons. My left leg has been through so much. It's not even funny. 
Yeah. But um, I, I think I was also on gabapentin for anxiety, too, because I couldn't be on a benzodiazepine as a recovering addict. Yeah. So I was on gabapentin for two reasons now, I guess. But so anyways, I saw her, I was talking to her, and she said, oh, you're on gabapentin? And I said, yeah, and I explained what for. And she goes, well, you have, like, a couple weeks to get off of it because if you're not off of it, I won't sponsor you anymore. And I'm like, what? Oh, and she's wow. like, yeah, it's a mind-altering substance, so I'm not going to sponsor you if you're on it. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. And I, had, I was living at a sober living facility at the time, and I told one of my, my like, house counselors who is my house counselor counselor and i told him and he goes that's none of her business and you should not have told her like meta if you know if she says you know don't be on suboxone or methadone you know she told you that from the get-go so you chose whether you wanted her as, as a sponsor or not you know you know regardless if you know you think in the future you might go on one of the two so you made a decision to have her so you made the decision to not be on suboxone or methadone but you know gabapentin you know you're being prescribed it for psych reasons you know and you're being prescribed it for pain reasons and you know it's not a narcotic you know it's not you know i think it actually might be a controlled substance i I got high i I got high one i took it for the first time. Yeah, I know, but when you take it, respond. Yeah, because trust me, Paul and I, when we used to, we there's a couple times we bought whole prescriptions of it oh, from yeah. people, and we took the whole yeah. bottle. We took literally 15 pills each, but you can't take it every day and expect to get high if no. you're taking only one or two pills. No. And even if you're taking a lot more than that, you're not going to get high. So no, you build a tolerance. You know, yeah, I, and you build fast. Within two, three days, it's done. Yeah. You can't get high off of it. But anyways, and there's really bad side effects. Like, it makes you gain weight. And it's just kind of like pres- doctors are prescribing it kind of like a cure-all for all illnesses. You're, you're Not all illnesses, but like t- a bunch of different things they're prescribing it for. I think it's bogus. I'm on it right now because I can't be on narcotics anymore because I choose not to be. Because of my surgery, I was only on it for a little bit. Yeah, they gave it. They gave it to me for nerve pain, or nerve damage. Yeah, nerve damage. me too. Yeah, yeah. Because I had my, I just had surgery on my knee, and I had my whole knee like they scraped all this bacteria underneath the bone and inside Ugh. the joint, which gives Jesus. me the heebie-jeebies. They, we never got know. it. We never got into that. The bone scraping. Yeah, let's get into it. So, so why did they have to scrape your bone? I mean, you said you were shooting up in your leg, but you got, was it the abscess behind you? Cellulitis. I got cellulitis. What is cellulitis? It's kind of like a skin infection. Okay. And it can really fuck you up if you don't get IV antibiotics. Some people just need oral. I needed IV. I, I have pretty much been in this hospital for a month. And, um, when I first got, um, when I first, I couldn't walk within, I shot up in that leg like months, like two months ago. And then I was fine. And then my leg started getting hard oh. and painful oh. and my thigh and my lower calf started getting hard, like physically hard. It's still oh. hard on my thigh. Fuck. And, um, it started getting painful, like blood wise, like when I would stand up, like, um, I could feel it throbbing and also the blood was rushing to my leg and it was like gravity. Like it felt like I had my top of my thigh. It felt like someone had put a rubber band really tight around it, you know, like I was yeah. losing circulation. Yeah. So I ignored it as much as possible, kept walking, 
but it started getting more swollen and swollen to the point where I was in jeans and you could totally tell my leg was swollen from thigh to ankle. And then it started getting so bad that I couldn't wear regular shoes anymore and I could only wear slides. And then I couldn't wear slides anymore and it looked really gross. How many days was it has was this a week go- oh my a week. god Ugh. it turned that way in one week and so i got scared and then i couldn't pee i couldn't urinate i had to urinate but i couldn't urinate i wasn't eating right i had a really bad fever really bad and so i finally called an ambulance to my apartment because i couldn't walk i couldn't bend my knee and i got an ambulance and I told them what was going on. They took me to the hospital closest to me, which was Weiss Hospital on in, on the north side in Uptown. You know, I live in Chicago. And um, they tested my blood. They kept me in the ICU for a few days. Um, they come to find out that, yes, you have cellulitis. Yes, we're putting on you on IV antibiotics. But the reason why you can't urinate, and they put a catheter in me, which wasn't fun. No, I hate is catheters. Because you... I know for boys it's much worse. So but, it's um, bad it either way, I'm for sure. Ugh. Yeah, but for males it's much worse, I've heard. But anyways, they tell me that um, I have renal failure, which is like kidney failure. Fuck. I have kidney failure, and I'm in. Um, uh, I have to have dialysis, and so I start. They like sew this box to my to my neck to one side of my neck. And for five hours a day, I had to have a big machine rolled up to my bed. And I, like I said, I couldn't move. And what sucked is that the IV antibiotics were giving me diarrhea and I couldn't go to the bed, to the bathroom. So how do you go to the and bathroom? I, I had to wear a diaper when I had to poop. Oh, that And I sucks. had diarrhea. Oh. And I had to rely on the nurses to clean. To, like, clean me yeah, up. I had to do that too. I, uh, it's so embarrassing, but I, um, when I was in the ICU, I shit the bed like twice. Um, it's okay. It happens. Well, dude, like there was all these alarms that would go off and, um, I was like, I just caught, I came out of a stroke, you know, and I woke up in the ICU. So it's like, if you get out of the bed, all these alarms go off and, uh. So they have to like have a nurse walk you to a toilet. You have the heart monitors on your chest. Everything, like I did. yeah, everything, everything. And so, yeah, they, I having to get turned over and get cleaned up after that. It was like, oh, dude, it's it's so de- embarrassing. It sucks. It's, it's embarrassing, and especially for us at such a young age. Like I'm 27. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, anyways, so. Yeah, so I had this big machine right by my side. That's when she would tell me, don't move your neck. And I was like, okay. And oh, so fuck. I had, get this, I had that on the right side of me, the um, the box the you know that was hooked up to the machine yeah. for five hours a day. And then think of this. I had IVs in my like left arm or whatever. Uh-huh. So And I had this very painful leg. They were giving me one milligram of Dilaudid, which basically did nothing. No, nothing. Um, Fuck. I came in there using, and they were giving me five milligrams of methadone once a day, which did nothing. So I was withdrawing. Oh, you wouldn't feel shit then, yeah. Yeah, and then I have this huge-ass painful leg. And when I came in there, I had a fever of 103 for three days straight. Fuck. So on my fourth day, I said, fuck this shit, I'm leaving. 
I'm not getting the proper care. I don't feel good. They had no air conditioning on my floor. I'm sweating bullets. They finally put a fan in on the fourth day. But I said, screw this. I'm leaving. And I also left because I was being evicted, I found out that day. Well, I left, but then I used the excuse that I was being evicted. That's why I left. But really, it was a surprise to me that I was getting evicted. Because I knew it could happen, but because of COVID laws, I thought it wasn't going to happen. But because my lease had ended, it happened. Oh, fuck. So um, I got evicted that day. I went home, and I found out that I got evicted. And then I couldn't walk, and I called 911. And I went back to Weiss, actually. And then they had, they were like, well, if you're here, you have to, you know, you're, you have to be, you know, admitted again. And it's going to be about like a six hour wait. And I said, screw that. And I stole their wheelchair and I got on the bus <laughs> and I left. You stole yeah. it. And I was bogus as hell because it was one of those hospital wheelchairs yeah. that says property of Weiss. Yeah. And it had this big metal thing on the top of it. And I had to jam that motherfucker on the bus. Like, it was scraping the, the bars on the top of the <laughs> Jesus bus on Christ. the inside. Nice. Yeah, and there was, like, nurses and stuff getting on, you know, professionals. That just got off work. Yeah. Yeah, oh. and they were looking at me like, girl, you crazy. And I looked insane. My hair was a mess. I had shorts on. My leg was all bandaged oh. up. And the parts weren't bandaged up were swollen as, you know, big time swollen. I looked crazy. You know, so that's what happened to my leg. I ended up going to another hospital. So now I'm actually waiting to go into a sober living facility. Um, not sober living, I'm sorry. Um, I'm actually waiting to go to rehab, a 30-day rehab program. Um, yeah. So, and I had a couple open wounds from this because of the cut of stuff in here in Chicago. They cut stuff with Seroquel. They cut stuff with um, Kool-Aid. They cut stuff with basically Dorm, which is a sleeping, Seroquel. you know, a over-the-counter sleeping medication. But it's been cut with so many crazy things. So many people had so many infections. People think that they have, people think in Chicago that they've done crocodile or crocodile, they always say that they're like, I did crocodile and that's why my legs messed up and my arms messed up. You know, I've seen, and and I really don't think they have at all because I think it's, if they did crocodile, it'd be much more worse and it would be like fatal, you know, but um, they think they've done it because they've read about it or not even read about it because they wouldn't know that they didn't do it, but they've seen pictures of it. So they think that that's it, but really it's not. I don't think so. I don't think crocodile is, here to the point where people are selling it like that because it's mainly a bunch of people a lot of people buy research chemicals they get the heroin from you know a supplier but then they buy a bunch of research chemicals because i've gone to you know rehab detox places before and i've tried to get in and they won't take me because all i have i tested negative for everything because all I have in me is research chemicals, and they don't test for that. Yeah, and it's fucking mind-blowing how they don't upgrade and buy fentanyl test kits. It's like, dude, read the fucking newspaper, and just like, how do you I not don't... know this shit? Um, I don't know. Hey, Brian, I'm getting kind of tired, yeah. and I really want to eat dinner. It's been here for over an hour and a half. Oh, fuck. Can we pick up our conversation later? I'm gonna let you go right now because I have to use the bathroom really bad. No, you're fine. Um, just message me or call me when you're ready. Yeah, right. and watch those videos. There's only like two videos. Watch them for fuck's sake. Okay, I will. I promise. I love you so much. Thanks for doing this with me. Yeah, I love you too. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.
Leave the 